surprising, wonderful your word is, so many different ways. And most of all, it's alive and active and able to do amazing things in our hearts and minds and lives and lives. So that's what we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, <coughs> So this is the way it looks like when it's recording. You see funky stuff, but I'm just going to minimize it right now. I'm not sure. I just got out. I'm having some of that stuff coming out of my eyes. No. And wondrous sign appeared in heaven. <coughs> a woman clothed with the sun. I'm pretty sure that's Israel, the woman, with the moon under her feet and a crown of twelve stars on her head. That's probably the twelve tribes of Israel. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. So it's kind of a mixed analogy here. It's I mean, and a nation Which can't give birth for twelve. Obviously, mm-hmm. that would be Mary specifically. But in a sense, Israel does give birth. Tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and them to earth. Most uh, most Bible people through the ages have believed that that's a reference to how many angels rebelled with Lucifer, the devil, and uh, and left heaven with him to serve the devil. So uh, we're you know we're thankful. We mentioned last week uh, a third went with him. Two thirds stayed in service of the Lord. So. We outnumber them two to one. That's a good thing. But it's, you know, just to be up front, it's a bit fuzzy there. It's not super nailed down in any other place in Scripture, black and white, that we can say beyond a shadow of a doubt. But uh, it works. You look at this whole chapter, uh, that works and makes sense. So his tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky, flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth. So he might devour her child the moment it was born. We know that, that Satan did try, through Herod, tried to kill baby Jesus, sent the soldiers down to Bethlehem to devour all the babies. Verse 5, she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. So clearly now this is talking about Jesus Christ, the son of God, Jesus. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. Interesting, snatched up. Uh, when you think of Jesus ascending, the risen Jesus ascending from here up to heaven to the, the right hand of God, the return, do you think of it in terms of snatched up? Caught up? Yeah. Um, it says he went up into the clouds. You know, and that's what happened. One of the Gospels, maybe two, tells that he went up into the clouds. and I, I wouldn't describe it as Interesting. <coughs> yeah, it was. I didn't look into the, the 
Pilate snatched up and got into his throne. Uh, I guess probably you snatched because what's been the picture you've been painting here? Uh, you've got a wicked, evil foe who's, who's standing right there waiting for the baby to be born to swallow it up. Mm-hmm. And so the picture is of uh, the child being in the <coughs> Egypt. That's true. That's true. Right. But uh, snatched up to God into his throne. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's different. <laughs> Interesting connection. Verse 6 The woman fled into the desert to a place prepared for her by God. Why do we say Israel? Because where she might be taken care of for how long? 1260 days. Years. sermon today um, in Ezekiel and stuff. The prophets will be looking and talking about you know, this event and the next thing you know in the same sentence sometimes they're talking about end times all of a sudden because a lot of times there's a double fulfillment. Okay, So when Isaiah said a virgin is con- going to conceive and have a child, we're pretty sure that that actually happened that uh, a woman in the royal court there allows for that to happen, but it was also, uh, it's, it's completely fulfilled in when Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit, and literally a virgin conceives and has a child. There's double fulfillments like that often, uh, so the abomination of desecration in the temple um, that, Rev, that Jesus talked about in Matthew 24, that's happened a number of times in Israel's history, 
but in Matthew 24, Jesus says, then the abomination of desecration will happen in the temple, and he says, and let the reader understand and be aware, I'm talking about the one that Daniel described. There's lots of abominations that have happened in the temple through the centuries. But Jesus says, there's one in particular that I'm talking about now, and it's the one Daniel described. And Daniel describes clearly in the end times, hasn't happened yet. There are some Bible interpreters that are saying, already happened. Matthew 24 has already happened. But uh, I think it's pretty clear that we're not there yet. Very clear. Okay, so let's see. I want to just ramble stuff too long, but so that's where we're at. First two panels through verse 6. Any comments or questions leading up to this moment? I hate to spend 10 minutes in review, but sometimes we kind of need to. Let's go forward, shall we? Yes, we shall. Okay. <laughs> right off the bat, we're going to have controversy. Verse 7. And there was war in heaven. Say, Ruh-oh. Michael and his angels. Who's Michael? Archangel. Archangel of what? What's his job title? He's specially tasked with doing something. Uh, nope. Yes. Michael, uh, Gabriel is the messenger. Gabriel. You only have two named archangels. And Michael is the warrior angel. His task is to protect Israel, God's children, and, and us, God's children. That's his number one job. So, Back in uh, Thessalonians, or Timothy, where Paul says the restrainer will be removed. You know, in the end times, the restrainer will be removed, the one who restrains the enemy. Lots of Bible interpreters today are saying that's the Holy Spirit. I'm going, you just can't be the Holy Spirit. That's not the understanding of who God is and what he's doing and stuff. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that Michael is the restrainer that's being removed. And that makes perfect sense through the rest of Scripture. But here he is, Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan, the devil. Satan is Lucifer himself. The dragon and his <coughs> angels fought back. So I don't know. We can't imagine what this is like right now. I mean, war is Church yep. I served, I was yep. on my way to church one Sunday morning. There's only 20 seats in the house of the church that I was on. And I was halfway there, and I heard swords clashing. It sounded like it was the front yard. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the hair stood up on my neck, and I looked. I couldn't physically see anything, but I could hear sword uh, warfare <coughs> going on. Movie highlights in heaven. 
But when Michael his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back, verse 8, what happens? But he, the devil, was not strong enough, say hallelujah. And they, he and his and angel followers, lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent, called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. The huge, huge, huge question is, when does this happen? <clears throat> what are some options? There's a, there's a few. It's already happened. It's already happened. Mm -hmm. uh, when in the past did it happen? Do you have an idea? Crucifixion, big time warfare going on there. That's good. Garden of Eden. That's good, huh? That's when we know the devil was active on the earth, so maybe he'd already been kicked out. Well, yeah, there's there's truth in that, and I'm gonna be honest. I don't understand completely the rules about who gets to be up there. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, right? Let's go. Um, just to just to remind you, I didn't mark my Bible. Go back to Job. It's before, it's right before Psalms. Job chapter one. Who knows what I'm going to refer to? Job chapter 1 verse 9 when Satan rebelled did God did Michael and his angels fight and kick him out of heaven right then and say you stink and you can't be in the presence of God anymore or just, well, he does stink. Job chapter 1 verse 9 um, actually we need to start at verse 8 don't we then the Lord said to Satan Oh, we need to start further back. I'm sorry. Six. Verse six. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. The Lord said to Satan, hey, where have you come from? What have you been up to? Satan answered the Lord, I'm roaming through the earth, going back and forth in it. The Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? There's no one on earth like him. He's blameless, upright, man who fears God, shuns evil. I love that one. Satan says, does Job fear God for nothing? You know, do you not put a hedge around him? And it goes on and on. So they have this conversation, and it goes off and on for a while. God gives him permission. You, you can do this to Job, but you've got to stop here. And then and then Job hangs in there, and Satan says, well, you know, you're still protecting him too much. I said, well, okay, you can go this far, but you can't take his life. So in Job chapter 1, does Satan still have access to heaven? He does. Why? Not sure. <laughs> what about the real time he was taken up into the sky for a short time? It was uh, 15 last weeks. Yes, there you go. Very good, Janet. Excellent. Didn't think of that. <laughs> so Jesus says to Peter, Peter, Satan has asked 50 like weeks. Uh -huh. So Satan is having, still having a conversation with God then. Oh, that's 
Accusing. Lies. Yes. He, he's been accusing. Oh, I know. <laughs> accusing. This is where I like to put time down here. Right? You'd be accusing. Thank goodness we can find it. happened in heaven, and, and Michael and the angels kicked him out, right? <laughs> Verse 13, when the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, when he was hurled to the earth, when he lost the war in heaven, just like Armageddon happened, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child, so he gets kicked out of heaven, he's going to pursue who? Israel. Verse 14, the woman was Israel, the woman was given the two wings of a great eagle, so that she might fly to a place prepared for her in the desert. Where she would be taken care of for a time, times, and half a time. How long? Three and a half years. When does Satan go full bore after Israel for a period of three and a half years? Second half of the tribulation. Second half of the tribulation. Good job, Bob. When does the war in heaven happen? That's the Sunday school answer for most of my questions for you about timing and revelation. Midpoint. Isn't this kind of shocking? We need to go to our timeline. Timeline. Here's where the midpoint happens. Okay. What does it say at the top of your illustration right there, I think? Oh, sorry. On my personal illustration, <laughs> above that, where it says midpoint, I wrote war in heaven, Revelation 12, 6, and 7. That's good to know. I would encourage you to write that there. What's that? Good to know. It's good to know. This, I tell you, this is one of the most shocking things I've ever learned about Revelation, the end times and stuff. Because we just assume that Satan does not hang out there. And he is, he's on the earth the vast majority of the time. But he's accusing us to the Father. And he, he's, he's messing with us to the Lord. I, I'm sure the Father's like, you know, you can talk about it all the time, but the ones you're accusing to me, they're covered in the blood. So go on your merry way. I don't understand it, people. I just know what the Bible says. And I know that it's pretty clear here in Revelation chapter 12 that he does not get kicked out of heaven until the midpoint of seven years. And that's when war happens in heaven. Are we going to hear it and see it? I think his, uh, his blood-bought children, I think as the Holy Spirit resides in us, we may have a spirit. We may have a clue. There's going to be so many things happening at the midpoint, though, that we're, we're all just going to know that heaven and earth and spiritual things are shaking today. It's very probable that um, the Antichrist and his uh, 
military forces are moving against Jerusalem at the midpoint. <clears throat> and that the first, I don't know, we'll talk about that down the line. But there is massive, massive stuff happening at the midpoint. And I wrote online, war in heaven happens at the midpoint. It's pretty clear. Once you get to verses 13 and 14, it doesn't, doesn't kind of blow your mind. You're like, wait a minute. What? But I'm pretty confident that's where it happens. I could, you know, could be wrong, but the text seems to indicate this is the timing of that war in heaven. Okay, go back to chapter 12, verse 7. Let's start, go back to 7. Now that we know when it happens and what all that means, There was war in heaven at the midpoint. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back. He was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, the ancient serpent called the devil or Satan. So, so in this spot in your Bibles, we've got three, kind of three different names for the devil. We've got serpent, devil, and Satan. Serpent, a lot of times refers to his subtle lying, like, like like in the Garden of Eden, right? His subtle lying, deceiving ways, as Bob mentioned before. Well, yeah, he's still doing that all the time. So the serpent refers to his subtle lying, deceiving ways. The word the word devil literally means um, accuser. When you line it all up, just 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 to be refreshed and reminded, what is our enemy like? Subtle, lying, scheming, deceiver. These are everyday, every night adversaries, and he is accusing us before the Father. And sometimes he brings that accusation really strongly, personally against us. And we need to understand the cross. Who brings guilt? God of the devil. God brings guilt because he wants the guilt to compel us back to the cross for repentance and forgiveness. The devil doesn't bring guilt. What does he bring? Condemnation. Condemnation, and that's where too. Accusation. That's the devil. Does God want to? Does God pour shame onto you? No, that's the devil's work. So. Subtle, accusing adversary. So, isn't, I mean, maybe not to the extent that this war would be, but isn't there a war with Satan as well? I mean, is that our war right now? Now, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure it's not sit down and have supper with us in heaven. But, kind of bizarre, it almost sounds like semi-respectful. Um, you know, I mean, there's other places in the, in the Bible where it says, "Don't be dissing on like have a sense of respect and for who they are, who they're created to be, and so forth." Like that. But 
sound like there's active fisticuffs happening in heaven all the time. There's a moment when war breaks out. Until that time, Satan still has permission to be up there and have conversations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. right. Is it a case where you want to keep your enemies close? So, yeah. I mean, of course, God sees everywhere all the time. And stuff, so. Resources in Christ to overcome him and stuff, but that does not mean we denigrate him or act like he's no big deal. <coughs> yeah, respect your opponent even if you don't. Yeah, there. I, down here, on uh, we should. I just want to thanks for it. So down here, there's spiritual battles uh, regularly. Angels are going at it down here regularly. That's not. I don't have any indication that that's happening in heaven until this moment. But down here, there's regular battles. Mm-hmm. Daniel talks about God sending an angel to answer his prayer, and then these fallen angels fought them and held them back until they, until God sovereignly said, okay, my guys win. Finish the job. Um, we know yeah, there's battles going on. And sometimes when I when I become aware of somebody's situation and I, and I, I feel like spiritual warfare is a big part of it, I will pray, God, you know, you, you know best, Lord, and Michael, you're on this, but if they need an extra company of warrior angels to sway the, the battle, God, please dispatch another the job done. God, give them victory in the heavenlies, the front yard where the swords are clashing. Give them victory in the spiritual realm so that can also be received and applied in the physical. I mean, just different things the Holy Spirit prompts us to pray about. <clears throat> but um, I hadn't thought about that Sunday morning for a long, long, long time. I know I have. I hear the swords. This is something that's kind of going to roll around in your head for a while in your heart and process and think about. So what is what is this ancient serpent called the devil or Satan? What is he up to even now and in, into the end? Who leads the world astray. Boy, is he having some discussion. 
he was hurled to the earth. So was he escorted from the heavenly chambers? <laughs> he was he was physically <laughs> hurled to the earth and his angels with him. They were booted. Verse 10. Then oh I'm sorry. Now tell me what you think that is. <laughs> yes, we got the purple M for Michael. He's got the sword in his hand. He's not the face because he won, but he just did what? That's his. <laughs> what happened? You broke it. Oh, oh it's nice off right. What'd you do? Thank you. Went down. <laughs> I was trying to represent, oh, you know, big angel muscles. Yeah. So whenever you access, it'll blink briefly, but, you know, not a big deal. He usually comes back. I'll show you what happens if it doesn't come back. Oh, yeah. And he gets thrown, hurled down to the earth. Problem with that is, who lives on earth? Does, does John mention that for us then in this passage that if he's coming down here and you know what happens you know these uh, professional boxers right I don't know if you follow that at all but <laughs> my older brother did a lot when I was still at home years ago so I talked to my brother but so before a fight what do they do they have the weigh in so that these two combat combatants and they're just chiseled unbelievable good strong moving guys. And they come up and they weigh in to make sure there's enough, I don't know, to make sure they're in the right weight class for the boxing match. And then the guys, and they always come toe to toe, and they're like, you're my brother, such and such. And I'm going to wipe the floor with you. And they do all this stupid stuff, right? Because they're like, oh, the testosterone is just. But when the, mat, when the boxing match is done, and the guy is, the one is, one is defeated, you want to drive him home from the boxing ring that night? The guy, the ego is off the charts. You want to hang around that person when their ego has just been crushed by the defeat? And who's got the biggest ego in the universe ever? So at the midpoint, when this battle happens, he gets and kicked out of heaven and they lock the door and say, you can't come up here no more. He comes down here, what's that going to be like? So when we talk about the persecution that's going to be unleashed at the midpoint of the tribulation, and Jesus said, it's going to be the worst that the world has ever seen. Now you know why. <clears throat> and the people who interpret Matthew 24, wonderful brothers and sisters of Christ, who interpret Matthew 24 to say, all that stuff, their end time stuff, we think, all that stuff already happened in AD 70, and some terrible things happened to people in Israel in AD 70. I get that. Horrible things happen. But Jesus said, when this happens, it'll be the worst that's ever happened on the planet. Now that AD 70 was not that. Okay, so now he's hurled down, verse 10. I heard a loud voice. 
now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers, who accuses them before our God day and night, how often does he have to say? Apparently a lot, has been hurled down. They, and that's referring back to the brothers, the brothers and sisters of believers, the children of God, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, because what's Satan doing all day, every day, and every night to God about us? He's accusing us of what? Being smelly sinners who don't deserve to be in God's presence. And God says, I know. I know that. I love them anyway, and I provided for their cleansing. What did, what did God provide for our cleansing? What's, what's the soap, the rub-a-dub that we use for our soul cleansing? The blood of Jesus shed on the cross. What do the angels say? They, we believers, we overcome the devil himself by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. What's our testimony? Jesus is my Savior. His blood on the cross purchased me. That's my testimony. That overcomes the devil. And then we usually stop there, don't we? <laughs> Just a verse that's quoting. That when we're doing spiritual warfare prayers, a lot of times I'm like, and we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And we're praying, praying, and we quit. It's not a period there. There's one more thing that, that adds to our overcoming the devil. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. So if you want to get down to the nitty-gritty, dark and dirty here, I'm not willing to give my life for Jesus. The devil comes full on. I'm not going to be able to do this. Now that's some heavy Thanksgiving turkey leftovers, huh? You can have the blood of Jesus and you can have testimony. You're not willing to die for him? You're not willing to battle against the devil. Now it's interesting how this is phrased, right? They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. I really appreciate this. What do we need to be careful to love more? And our life and our kids and our wife and our husbands and our job and we need to be careful that we're loving Jesus more than anything else, including our own life. Experience of persecution is literally pretty long. 
Okay, God, oh Lord, we're really, really glad that Michael and his warriors whoop on him. Thank you for giving us a heads up that even right now today we need to be considering seriously where we're at with our love and devotion commitment to you. Your love and devotion commitment to us. Send Jesus to the cross and he went there willingly. Help us, God, to go in faith and love to you that we'd be willing to do the same. Thank you, Jesus, and we do long for you to return. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.